something like that. That is from uh, Southern Africa. So you yes, know that yes. sound? Yes, I do. Very good, very good. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Godwin Ortay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That means, folks, it is time for Change Matters right here on ITRNRadio.com. It's time for Change Matters. It's a different kind of Tuesday today. Here we are, April 12th, would you believe? Oh, my God. We're almost halfway through the year, and things are just not getting back to normal. It is Tuesday, April 12th. We are here in sunny Southern, good old sunny Southern California. But anyway. It's cold here. It's very, very cold. It's cold in sunny Southern California. I understand my favorite place in the country is cold also, Big Dallas. Dallas has got some strange weather, but these are strange times. And as Dr. George Bell always says, the power of acceleration is upon us and we've got to do something about it. It is upon us and we've got to change it. This is a Tuesday and you are listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network and you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms and that cat I see. Oh my God. I know. I'm trying to get the cat out of the field. Oh my God. That cat is all, oh Lord, look at him jumping up there. Oh, I tell you, cats. But in any case, welcome to the show, Dr. Godwin Orkay. I'm glad you could join us. We're going to talk about this doggone BA2 and the other things that are taking over this country and the world. Are we going to ever get out of it? What the heck is going on? We've got issues in our communities. We've got issues with healthcare. We've got issues with the economics. We've got issues in education. There's no place that we don't have issues. What in the heck is going on? I don't think this is what our forefathers wanted. I don't think this is where we're supposed to be. Dr. Godwin, what is your take on this? Uh, I, I think the first thing we should do, and I'm sure uh, Kiana will agree with me, we will not operate from a position of fear because messaging matters. And when we had the first jolt, we panicked, we freaked out, and dropped the ball. And, uh, I mean, after one year, after the second year, come on, we should know something by now. And uh, and that is how we operate. Because, we... Uh, because right now, we are always two weeks late. And we've had this I speak from the platform of being an epidemiologist. Being two weeks late means the data we are analyzing right now were data from 14 days ago. I'm monitoring the trend and responding. Let me give an example. And this is a real life situation. I will start with now, then I will proceed to then. Now, I have a school district where 
35%, and I believe that is more than a third of the students are positive in the 11th and 12th grade. What? Today? And because like I, will, I will not tell you the name of the school district because it's not a panic thing, but this on the West Coast. But guess what? We know in Philadelphia, all the way in the East Coast, they've changed some of the mandates. Yeah. Well, as of today, mm. Philadelphia is mandating indoor masking. Yeah. So uh, we cannot uh, we cannot approach this from fear. And when we look at the numbers, it's always it still remains those who did not receive the vaccine, and those who think, okay, this is all. But it's not the politics of COVID. It's not fear of COVID. It's none of those things again. We've lived with this thing long enough for it to be endemic. And as far as we are at that stage of it, can we just get along together? No, we can't. No, we can't. No. And that's the biggest thing right there. There was a woman on The View this morning. Uh, her name is um, something Griffith something. and Griffith or Griffin. And she talked about what happened in the very beginning. And she said that the ball was dropped in the very beginning and there was so much fear. And she also cited that if things had not gone the way they did in the beginning, things would be different today. Well, uh, very quickly, just like that, Joy Behar corrected her. Uh, Joy, as a matter of fact, Joy Behar and Sonny Hostin, they both said, no, wait a minute, no wrong, wrong again. It was your boss. It was your boss that turned this into a fiasco. It was your boss that politicized it. And she wanted this other girl who was part of that communications team when the maggot was in office. She said that the Democrats, they politicized this. And, and she was corrected by Sonny Hostin and Joy Behar. No, 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 you're wrong. You are wrong. No, it was your boss that politicized this, that turned this into the fiasco that it is. And the world, the entire world knows that. So don't try to change anything. Had this been mitigated and stopped in the very beginning, we would not be in this place today. And, yeah, for, and I, I, I feel your passion, uh, Yolanda. And uh, we have to follow the pathway now and understand that uh, if we want to discuss political COVID, we'll discuss political COVID. If we want to talk about you as a radio host and Godwin as a radio host, and we're in the, I believe we're all in this together because it affects me, it affects you. What did we do and what did we not do right? Which means the communication yeah. part of it. Because we, what we will not do is follow them through the rabbit hole right now and drop the ball. And we will not cause fear. Following them to the rabbit hole. That's what we're doing. And just as this girl said, Griffin, whatever her name is, she says 
that the economics of this is so important that we can't shut down the country again, which clearly states what comes first, money or people, money. It's purely about the economics. It's not about saving lives. It's not about health care. It's about the money. It's simply about the money. And if you don't recognize that it's about money and not humanity, because humanity has nothing to do with this, then you're not getting it. Yes, but, uh, but at what point would we agree that all these elements matter? We can't afford it. That's yeah, right. We, we can't afford the shutdown because our domestic workers and assistants they will still clean our home. They will still be my gardeners. That's an afterthought. That's an afterthought. So if we say we can't afford to shut down, okay, well, two million people left this earth because this was not played out in the right way. Two million people left. Two million plus. I'm sure it was more like 3 million people left this earth, okay? So why do you, how can you tell someone, their family members and the rest of the medical community and everybody involved that it can only be about the politics for those of us that are left here? It can only be about the economics for those of us that are left here because we're still, there are quite a few people who are still walking around with masks on, who still believe that it's not over, who still believe this is going to come back. If you do what's right in the beginning, you don't have to go back and do it over and over and over and over. And that's where we are because it wasn't done right in the beginning. So we're having to do it over and over and over. And that's not simply with COVID. That's with everything in life. If you don't do it right the first time, how many times are you going to do it over again and again and again? And doing it right the first time, it ain't that painful. It doesn't cost anything to do it right the first time. That's well, why. How about the fact? How about the fact that uh, we talk at people, but we don't listen? You remember I used the word "at." I didn't say "to." I I picked that connection. Because when you speak with someone, you also get the feedback. But when you speak at someone, even if they speak, you are anxious to respond without even hearing their words. And since COVID includes all this plethora of uh, lenses, in my own research, professional research, in my fellowship, I talked about the social, economic, and political nature of diseases. And I've further evolved that to talk about population health and density because public health is public. Everybody is doing public health now. But population health, I'm talking about displacement, health-seeking behaviors, and so on. How about if, let's on this pyramid, flip it, and start from no from that side where at this point we're talking about the messaging is wrong. You are not a doctor, I am. Right. Yeah. 
I'm not a communication specialist. You are. But how about the issues of messaging where we can streamline our thoughts? We are all very passionate people, which we agree. <laughs> and with the dialogue, set the trail. For example, today, in just 12 minutes, you've told us about the politics of COVID. I have talked about missing the missed opportunity. I'm sure we are going to talk about the socioeconomic considerations also, and that is affecting public health discourse. Because who is, who is willing to close the the uh, uh, their factories or offices right now. And lastly, but not the least, but as equally important, that social construct, the social part of it. Because as we go through all of these, we have people who say the mask make them insecure, uh, the government is this, the government is that, but everything they talk about is not a matter of uh, opinion. And we spend so much funding education that we are all indebted. Student loans are not cheap at the end of the day. Not changing the dialogue, but telling you, when you send people to school, you expect they're coming on with knowledge. Why don't we listen to experts in the relevant fields? Why do we have to have this debate? Because people always think they know more than you. Because we live, we've got a, 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 I guess, a concession of people, a concentration of people who are theorists, who listen to these theories, who dispute everything, who always think that their common sense is greater, who think that they can make more sense out of this than you can. So, and they have a right to their opinion. The Constitution says we all have free speech. Of course, you know that we don't, but we all have free speech. They can say whatever they want to say. They don't have to believe you. They don't have to believe the science, whether we've believed science for 400 years or not. They don't have to believe the science. They choose not to, because on the on Facebook, on the internet, it said this, it said that. So they don't need to believe what the politicians say because politicians lie, because corporate America lies. Pharmaceutical companies lie. Why believe them? This is a conspiracy theory. There's no such thing as COVID-19. No, this is a way for the pharmaceutical companies and Bill Gates to have their way with population control, getting rid of people, turning things uh, upside down. Bill Gates said this and Bill Gates said that. And for those people, all of that makes sense. Why believe the theories? Because Dr. Fauci and all of the other scientists, they are part of the devil's game. They're part of that, that group. So, uh, 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 Ms. Williams, how do you define a theorist? How do I define the theorist? Yes. Uh, the theorists are those who look for theories 
that match their way of thinking. Okay. They match so their way now, of thinking. And what, what have... stops you and stops us since we basically agree to pull the cart in the same direction with different strings? What stops you from also giving them a counter narrative in a way that they can actually not just listen, but understand? So we've gone full circle, and that is where you drop the ball. Because now you have created a dichotomy, the left versus right. Okay, well, remember, you have millions upon millions of people who have a theory and who believe a certain way, who think a certain way. They don't necessarily accept responsibility for the way they think or what they do or how they create uh, the furor how they add add fuel to the flame. They don't necessarily take responsibility for their actions. They just know that just like the woman who said she couldn't wear a mask because she has asthma. If you have asthma, then you certainly need to wear a mask. Okay? Just like she couldn't, the people that, that the recent people who got on a spirit flight who fought with the attendants not to wear a mask. So the flight didn't didn't take off. So the flight was two hours behind because everybody had to deplane because they refused to put on a mask. They had to wait for the police to get there and arrest them. Really? Yeah, it's still going on. So their theories are that the masks don't work. And they come up with these theories because they listen to somebody on the internet or they listen to somebody on uh, Facebook who says something that matches the way they think, who says something that they can get in line with because they already have a fear of listening to politics or a fear of listening to people on the news or a fear of listening to the scientists. So somebody else that comes along and says something that sounds good, it sounds accurate, it sounds like something I could believe in, that's the direction that they go in. If I so can just the, say one thing... Uh, Speaking of Facebook, I, I'd like to just be clear. I know that's kind of a thing that people say. I saw it on Facebook. Well, to be clear, it's not Facebook that's saying anything that anybody reads. There are people who have Facebook pages, including MSNBC, Fauci, anybody else that we believe in on conventional news outlets. Those exact same people also have Facebook pages, Twitter pages, and so on. So when people say or claim that they heard something, or if the claim is that someone has been on the internet, as it's often said, then, you know, it's no different. They could have been on the LA Times page on the internet or on Facebook. So it's, again, Facebook is not a news outlet. Facebook is a digital it's social media. So basically anyone, including major media outlets, have Facebook pages. So just to be a little bit more detailed in that. Thank you very much, Akiana. And uh, you always bring a very interesting take on things. And I appreciate that you are able to clarify because uh, the case definition and labels are also important because as we joke amongst ourselves in very important matter, we talked about uh, 
Facebook University and Google College. We still want to be grounded in facts. Now, and I'm not saying Facebook, the platform. Yeah, but I have a question for you, uh, Miss Colette. And this is Professor Orke talking today. <laughs> not the, not I'm, his, I'm his student. Okay, so we have the trifecta that I use in my class of diseases, poverty, and ignorance. And wow. when I build that triangle, then, and I put a circle around it and shows how one leads to the other, to the other, to the other. Especially this I use, this is a model I use for my global health class. What we're talking about, we versus them and all the issues in the world. But using my lens of diseases, poverty, and ignorance. Now you are my student today on this radio show, and uh, I'm your guest. So we're having that interpersonal relate, uh, dialogue. Diseases could be causes of poverty. Could be a cause of poverty. And in America, you can be bankrupt for just being sick. This is one of the countries in the world where that, one of the very few countries where that is a thing. In many parts of the world, that's not real. Meanwhile, we spend 17%, 14 to 17% of GDP on healthcare. We have amazing healthcare, but we still spend so much. But at the end of the day, there's no value for the buck because there are a lot of us that we consider going to pay that $20 copay or $50 copay or just push things off. And at the end of the thing, we have a mammogram that tells us, oh, you didn't come early enough. Relation between disease and poverty. That is just one line. Of course, the backward flow is that the diseases, the poverty itself led to the disease. Because you cut corners and it is human. Now, the other line is disease and ignorance. Remember that trifecta? You don't know, so you do. And ignorance. Remember, disease, ignorance, and poverty. We have a triangle. But now, the last part of it is the connection between ignorance and poverty. So we now have a triangle that is built around disease, poverty, and ignorance. I'd like to have your take on that. How do you break that cycle? That has to, that should have started 80 years ago. Okay, number one. Two, how do we break the cycle of ignorance, poverty, and what was the other one? Disease. I believe that Poverty and disease are a byproduct of ignorance. Okay? As a matter of fact, there's so many things that are born out of ignorance. And, excuse me, and to tell people that these things come out of ignorance, there are lots of folks that won't believe it. They won't believe it, and they will make excuses 
It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Because nobody said. Because I didn't know. Because nobody told me. Because how was I supposed to know? Well, you didn't say so. You didn't tell me. They didn't tell me. You should have said that. Well, no. So nobody, again, I believe wholeheartedly that everything begins with self-responsibility. Everybody has to rely on themselves and we rely on what we do and what we don't do. So poverty, we have all kinds of excuses for poverty. We have the worst health care in the world. Why is that? Because we're, we're a country about money. And I said this yesterday. We've got, we need to take a lesson from the people in Ukraine. We really need to take a lesson from the people in Ukraine. The two brothers talked about what they needed. They were asked by the uh, reporter what they needed. And the two brothers, I can't pronounce their name, they said, we don't need anything from you. The only thing we need from you is your weapons. We take care of our own. We take care of our own. We will take care of our people. We will take care of our country. We will take care of our own. All we need is your weapons. Send us your weapons. So how do we break the cycle of this triangle? We should have started a very long time ago because it is a challenge. I don't have the answers anymore. I used to think I had the answers. I don't have the answers anymore. I know that we have to change things by changing our mindset. That's first, but we've worn that out. Because changing the mindset is something that we don't think is necessary as a whole. I think it's necessary. You think it's necessary. But as a whole, we have a tough time with that. We've got two hands up here, Dr. Orke. I'm going to take both questions, comments, and answers. Let's go to uh, Leonard Collins. Leonard, how are you? Good. How's everybody? Um, I just got on, but I heard the part about the disease. So. Let me tell you a little personal experience uh, with me. Um, both my parents smoked cigarettes, so obviously they both died of cancer. Um, but my father died at age 56. Now, I was 28 at the time, and I thought that was really old, 56, right, you know. Um, but what I told myself after he died, uh, one of the things they say about black men is they don't get their physical, Okay. So I made a commitment at age 35 that every year around my birthday, I would get my physical. So I did that. Uh, but when I turned 40, uh, turning 40, turning 41, um, I had this lump size of a BB right up under my, uh, my breast. And, you know, I thought it was a blackhead because it was that small. So I said, well, I'll wait till it comes to a head and pop it, right? Well, it never came to a head. So by the time I got my physical, um, I told my doctor about it. And he said, well, um, it's probably a papilloma or something. Just uh, So how do you want us to look at it? I said, well, I want you to get it out because I want to see what it is. So he said, we can do um, surgery in and out. We'll cut around you know, your nipple and then we'll take it out. Come to find out, I had breast cancer. Um 
And so if I hadn't um, learned from my father, and this is where we were talking about ignorance, the thing about black men is they won't get their physicals. And when you said something about learning 80 years ago, I think that's something that we should talk about when we're in high school, if not middle school, because our kids are much more advanced intellectually uh, in terms of paying attention to um, the iPhone and things like that technologically. So if I hadn't have gotten my physical, uh, I would have been just like the doctor said, I might have been too late. So I'm just sharing something that's a personal experience. And I wind up having a mastectomy. Um, and then so all I asked for was at that time, my son was born the same year. So, you know, I went to praying, Lord, let me see him turn 10 years old. Then when I got to 10 years, let me see him get graduate from high school. Uh, let me see him turn 21. You know, I just kept begging every five years. Well, needless to say, I'm here still. So um, ignorance is uh, a big part of our problem, but also access. Um, and I don't know what it is about us. Um, and there is another mentality that we have is once we get sick, <clears throat> we don't want to try to fight because we don't want to leave the burden of the price tag on the rest of the family. So I have experienced that as well. But anyway, that's all I have. Thank you. And, and we don't seek health care. And, and Black men especially have an issue with going to the doctor. And, and that mistrust, that trust is a huge, huge thing. We're going through that right now. We're going through that right now in our family. And I can't say that I trust all the doctors. I can't say that I do, but I certainly know that they know a whole lot more than I do, especially since I got my MD from WGU. So I have to learn how to trust them, that they are going to do what's right. And when I was diagnosed with stage one uh, C word, first stage, and it was one centimeter. They sent me to five different individuals. Five. My doctor, somebody else, somebody else, somebody. Okay, I had biopsy. I had uh, a number of different procedures to determine what it was. Every single doctor from Dr. Schwimmer on up and back told me, don't worry about it. It's characteristic of a benign tumor. It's a benign tumor. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, it's it's characteristic of a benign tumor. You don't have anything to worry about. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Of course, I'm going to be fine regardless. I knew that. And when the pathologist told me on December 21st that it was not a benign tumor, that it was, in fact, the C word, I couldn't believe it. Okay? But they five different professionals told me that it was characteristic of a benign tumor. So the, the mistrust, it is absolutely there. It is absolutely. But what, what we have to do with ourselves, that goes back to the, the responsibility that we have. We have to advocate for ourselves. We absolutely must advocate for ourselves. My physician, my OBGYN, he didn't even know that what he told me was wrong. He didn't even know that. And when I left a message for him and, and he calls me back, we were just joking around like nothing had ever happened. What's going on, Ms. Williams? What's going on? 
I said, what's going on, Dr. Schwimmer? You need to tell me. He says, oh, I don't know. What's going on? I said, Dr. Schwimmer, don't you have my chart on your desk? No. Should I? Uh, yeah. I just had surgery last week. You did? Uh, yeah. Remember that benign tumor that you told me was a benign tumor? Well, it wasn't benign. Oh, my God. Really? I didn't know. My question to him was, how come you didn't know? Why didn't you know? So, Dr. Orkay, it's not simply that the, it, it, we, we get into this circle, this triangle, but, okay, you're on mute. You're on mute. But you've not responded to the simple question. And, we, and Mr. Co uh, Leonard Collins gave a, a very interesting case scenario. But now we have, I have an hypothesis on how we can get out of that cycle. But we're still in that triangle of diseases, poverty, and ignorance. And keeping things real, which is what we do every day. We, well, we try to do on the show. But... We could have all the explanations, but you've not proposed a solution. But I see Kiana's hand is up. We'll listen to Kiana. Then I'm yeah, going to give you a proposal and give you a counter argument because what I just sent a private message to Mr. Collins to reach out to me after the call because his experience is just Awesome and part of the solution. But after Kiana speak, I'll tell you what I will propose. And I have a proposal also. Go ahead, Kiana. Okay, hi. Um, I think I'll start out with my proposed solution, which is my solution for almost everything. <laughs> um, a, a cultural reach back would I guess in a couple of words, that's what it would be. So um, basically becoming self-aware of one's biological, racial, ethnic, cultural roots that sustain them for quite, for far longer than the modern era has ever stood. Um, and quite the, the modern era actually uses a lot of its, a lot of, um, cultural the modern era makes artificial that which used to be natural and cultural that everyone lived by for millennia and i think what i'm talking about is um modern medicine although has it, it's great uh it's also almost equally as bad sometimes um it uses a lot of cultural and natural remedies but it extracts them down to the point where they become artificial and maybe the body doesn't recognize them on a holistic level anymore you might cure one thing but then at the same time cause one to three other thing other problems so i think what i'm really saying is um for almost every solution to today's problems no matter what they are cultural you know theoretic or physical I think reaching back to reaching back to nature, I'll just say nature, um, would be the solution. And um, I think I'll spring off to the side a little bit and 
ask the question about disease, poverty, and ignorance. Um, my question is, why are those three connected uh, or why are they thought to be connected? Um, and I think the reason why I'm asking that question is because to connect the three of them, particularly ignorance being included in that, would sort of be asserting that there's some sort of self-perpetuating uh, kind of it's-your-fault uh, sort of message underneath that, it seems. So when we brand people as being ignorant, they're oftentimes thought of as being impoverished. And then the impoverished are thought of as being diseased. So I'm wondering where that narrative comes from and do we actually need to continue to align ourselves with that narrative? Do we, do we, why, and if so, why do we need to do that? Why do we need to secularize a portion of our population by calling them ignorant, diseased, and impoverished? Uh, I don't think that the greater portion of humans on this planet have chosen to be diseased, nor, or, nor impoverished, nor ignorant. I think what is happening is the human is far too natural a thing, far too innocent to keep up with the artificial, and I'm just going to say it, evilness that has blanketed our plane, our world, our planet. It is very difficult for even the most educated, and I put quotes around me, educated. It's hard to keep up for even them. So why are we under the impression that, and I, and I say we under the impression, why is the assertion that people who are categorized as impoverished, diseased, and or ignorant, it's somehow their fault? When we couple those things and call them that, we're basically saying it's your fault. We're saying your lack of knowledge is the reason why you're broke and sick. That's not the case. No one poisoned their food. They didn't poison their food. The people who created their food poisoned it. It's They don't have to eat certain ways. Yes, I understand food deserts and the availability of certain kinds of foods. But I think we really need to understand it on a uh, maybe a bit more molecular level as opposed to social dogma, I guess. When you talk about that and create that kind of extension, once again, we're talking about the the ignorance, poverty, and disease. They all go together. They all go together. And it's a very difficult thing to remove poverty and disease without first removing ignorance. Okay? You're going you're gonna to constantly have a vicious circle, a vicious cycle. Look at all the people that did not want to become vaccinated simply because of what they heard, not about what they read or what they knew. It was because of what they heard. I heard. I heard if you get it, just like someone told me she wasn't going to get the vaccine because it might, she might grow a third eye in the center of her head. Okay? And she was serious. So when you talk about disease, the triangle, ignorance, how do we how do we eradicate it? How do we break the cycle? How do we 
remove ourselves from it. It goes back to responsibility. It goes back to understanding where what has happened to Black people in particular. What has happened to create this cycle of ignorance, poverty, and disease? Because one begets the other. As long as you have ignorance, you will always have poverty and disease. And if we don't accept responsibility, if we don't advocate for ourselves, if we don't make it our purpose, we're going to always have ignorance at the top, poverty and disease coming from it, stems directly from it. Well, then what is ignorance? I, I'd like to find out ignorance, what that there is. There should be a law against ignorance. There should be a law against ignorance. What is it? How is it being defined? Ignorant, ignorant is defined that you just don't know. I remember when I first learned that word, I thought it was such an ugly word. I ignorance too. just means you don't know. That that doesn't mean it's your fault. You don't know. That's what yes. that's what the definition of ignorant is. Don't know. And you don't want to know. But Sometimes there are people don't want to know that that just ride the way until they can't if that if ignorance is if we're using as Never it seems used to be the, used my ignorance is bliss people no longer use that phrase if ignorance is associated with disease and poverty then there is a segment of ignorance that must be specific to disease and poverty so what specific what specifically don't people know such that it's creating poverty and disease for them. If you're talking about ignorance relevant to poverty, are you saying that they're not financially educated or when it comes to disease? Um, are you saying they're ignorant to the fact that they shouldn't eat Fritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like, what are we really talking about when you're using the word ignorance? Because if we want to use it just blanketly, then the entire human population can be classified as ignorant because there is something somewhere that we don't know. But again, if it's relevant, relative to disease and poverty, then there's something about disease and poverty and the prevention of those that people are seemingly ignorant to, which yes, absolutely. But also the bigger, the bigger creator of disease and poverty is not the people that suffer from it. Yes, sorry, I, I was done, sorry. Dr. Orkay, yes, <laughs> go right uh, I, I like how we've circled back because we said we had a triangle, that, that we had a circle around it, and it's a spiral. I remember a few minutes ago, uh, Miss Miss Kiana told us about, uh, essentially listed the issues of the social constructs. And she used the phrase, our population. I don't know what that means by including labor because I don't know if we're in the same population, not population, middle age, white, black, green folks, people, or whatever. But there's something very tracy that Mr. Leonard Collins said. And when he talked about his own journeys and learning from the generational issue, my only response to him is that black men don't cry. So we don't seek for help. So that now goes back to Kiana, where we're talking about the cultural part of it. And this is an ongoing thing. Kiana, ignorance comes in different forms. 
and shapes and shades. Ignorance could just be issue of access. How about the fact that I don't know I can call to get this done? It's just an example. But access cannot be defined in the different level. Access like I can get there. Access they don't want me, which means our people. Access I can't afford it. And I can go through the whole yards of access. Affordability, clear access, adaptability, acceptance, and so on and so forth. So what do you do about those things? What do you do about those elements? That, that is why when we go back to the question, you can see right now we're having a discussion and we pivoted and we have that triangle of diseases ignorance and poverty and everyone in this room will clearly agree that education is a tool to break that and that education we're talking about education to empower people to have better control of their life and i'm quoting verbatim for paulo ferro that wrote free and in this book in his own theory we're talking about not education that keeps people subjugated. Not education that has people to prepare their resume and apply for a job. But the education for you to have better control of your own life and move out of it. When we describe ignorance, it is not, I don't know. What if they don't want me to know? What if I can't afford to know? And all the issues there. And when we talk about poverty, how about poverty of mind? That you just don't care. In case of emergency, Kiana, as my own sister, as you know, please call 911 and don't call me first. <laughs> After you call 911, then call me. I will be there. But those other people will have had better input into that medical situation that we were that we are that we are facing, and we now face it back to the same pivot question of disease. It is what I discuss with my class. It is what I tell my students. My frustration is the same frustration we all face intergenerational, multi-generational, cultural, social, political labels, left versus right, white versus green. And we need to break that cycle, uh, Ms. Colette. So breaking the cycle, again, how do you break the cycle? Tell me how that happens. Because we are a community of people we are an ethnicity, a race of people in this country who have cycle after cycle after cycle. And we talk about breaking the cycle of ignorance, breaking the cycle of poverty, breaking the cycle of disease, breaking the cycle of the, the generational um, lack. So how do we break this cycle? Because we've got at least a dozen cycles that need to be broken. 
So how do we break this cycle? How do we, and and once again, I, I have to go back to that word responsibility because when do we hold ourselves responsible? When? So breaking the cycle, you I think that's on, on all of us. Are you interchanging responsibility with with accountability? No, no, I'm not. Okay. I think that I think that we can't be held accountable for things that are beyond our control, that are out of our control. We can't be held responsible for those things. What we can be held responsible for are the things that are within our control, us. And I understand the lack of access. We got that. And I say this, when we talk about the lack of access or, or when we talk about access and the lack thereof, and we talk about transportation, affordable health care, affordable housing, when we talk about those things, someone mentioned Umar Johnson uh, the other day. And I think it was Leonard Collins that sent me something that Umar Johnson said. And he talked about churches. He talked about churches and the fact that there are so many churches in Black communities, in communities where there is great poverty. There are countless churches. What are the churches doing? What are the churches doing? In better days, I went to a big church in Los Angeles, big, big mega church worth millions, probably up in the big digits, okay? Not a little bit of money, big money, known for big money, known for hosting lots of celebrities. And they made it very, very clear when the celebrities walked into the church, they were given the red carpet treatment. And as soon as you walk out the door of that church, you walked into homeless issues. You walk into people who had just been released from the psychiatric facility who are walking and wandering around the perimeter of the church. So back again to your question and thought, how do we break the cycle? We don't have the formula for that. We don't have the formula. We don't have the recipe. We don't have the answer because it's perpetuated by the things that we continue to do. So I go back to responsibility. How do we take responsibility? I had a student from Lock High School many, many years ago. I'll never forget her. She walked into the office and she was very weary. And the assistant principal that I was meeting with, he said, I can't meet with you today. Can you come back? She said, all I want to do is enroll in school. He said, you can't do that by yourself. You have to bring your mom. She says, my mom won't come. He says, why not? She says, my mom doesn't want me to go to school. My mom wants me to stay home and help her take care of her 13 children. She, she don't want me to go to school. He quickly turns to me and said, can you talk to her? I wasn't a member of that staff. I was meeting him about, meeting with him about my program, but she had a cycle and she wanted her daughter to stay at home and help her 
take care of the 13 kids and the daughter was had, had a two-year-old. So when we talk about how breaking a cycle of ignorance, poverty, and disease, it begins way back. It doesn't just start here. That woman had 13 children and she did not want to educate this one. And we could not enroll her because her mother wasn't there. And the assistant principal didn't say, where are your parents? Where is your father? The assistant principal said, where's your mama? And that was the phrase that we used at every school that I have ever worked with in 30 years. Where's your mama? Get your mama on the phone. We never asked Am I allowed to cry on this show? Absolutely. Because... uh... I cry easily, but as do I. Welcome to the club. I, my friend's son called me today that the father was unresponsive. Call nine one one. After you've called nine one one, they call me. You call me first to ask me if I was available across town. It's just an example. So in this conversation of that circle, as we talk about uh, a silver bullet, which we all agree we don't have, it's, it still will be on, that tripod will still be built on education, empowerment, and giving people the ability to come to proper decisions. Because this individual is in the room with the dad. He woke up after 2 p.m. So don't ask me his lifestyle when you wake up at 2 p.m. Then he said, um, uh, Doug G, I I need to talk to you. And my dad's room right now is not responding. And I, I, I asked the dumbest questions. Is he alive? And he said, yes, he's looking at me, but he's just not talking. I said, okay, let's bring that down. So it could be from stroke to seizure to being high as a kite to be any other thing. But you thought best the first solution was to call someone across town on 911. And not your mom and your siblings. And I did ask him. And he said, oh, you know, my dad would be mad. <laughs> so I'm spinning the conversation deliberately for you to see the connection. Of course, of course, there is a connection. I don't doubt that for one second. There is absolutely a connection. When when does the connection when does the connection break? When the do connection we... will break when people are educated and empowered. And right now they are not. And as Kiana said, Kiana used the phrase, our people, our community, our population. And Mr. Leonard said something. Learning from an issue, familiar issue, and he found a lump. How many men get breast lumps? 
how lucky are you that you're one of those men that has a lump and it's cancerous? How lucky are you? Oh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm real lucky because uh, many of the doctors, and I was at 41, he said, you're the youngest and the second man that I know that has breast cancer. So it's not normal. So they wouldn't think that it was breast cancer. Yeah. But if I hadn't asked for that surgery, they would have never found out. So, yes, very lucky. Yeah. And that is an example of education. That was a life learning experience for him. He did his physical. I have mine also. And I say it famously, my PSA is off the charts. They didn't find cancer. They did a biopsy. They did everything. But remember, black men don't cry. Back in my home country, Nigeria, which I'm very proud of where I went to medical school, guess what happens? Your 40th birthday gift includes... Oh, yes. 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 And it becomes a routine after that. So you don't even miss your appointment. It's just like your your ID card that you, that you receive. And we may not talk about it, but it's included in our birthday gift. At the age of 40, we all have a digital rectal exam. We check for prostate, we do all of those. And this is a third world country, as they call it. It's a developer country, as we call it. But that is so much part of it that the rate of the prostate cancer actually dropped. And we don't use PSA. And in the U.S., when we do the PSA, we tell you that you know if your PSA is high, we may need to do more invasive procedure. Why do we need to inform you about that? So people will decline, even doing the blood analysis, especially the black men, because it's a cultural thing. You see, we're back to the same loop. And Kiana would say, what about the cultural context? How do you label, how do you define ignorance? An ignorant person could be somebody without a PhD. So I think then what you're talking about is not so much knowledge or the lack of knowledge, but how to actually think. Not what to think, but how to think. You just mentioned uh, your friend's son who called you instead of the police for his father. That was, to me, a, a lack of critical thinking. I, he wasn't ignorant of the ability to call you and you, nor the police, but he chose you first, which to me says that was a critical thinking error, meaning he didn't give that proper thought, as you said. Whereas Leonard, who decided himself to have something checked because he did the, the thing that we're all supposed to do is go to the doctor and get things checked out. And it was the doctor's failure that had him then with the critical thinking aspect of his 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 processing he decided to take it further had he been a person that just believed the doctor he wouldn't have done anything so i think it's not so much ignorance i don't know that ign- i think that's why i questioned the word ignorance because what are we really saying here we're not talking about people who just are just empty slates 
We have a, a critical thinking deficit in the United States within every segment of our society. So when I said our people, I didn't have a, des a specific group of people that I was pointing to, but I often point to black people. So I think what I'm hearing in this conversation is that critical thinking is the deficit, not necessarily ignorance. And I think that I, 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 I think it's often called ignorance, but I think that's also why I was really trying to get clarity on what ignorance is. It's a critical thinking deficit. I believe that if when a person you can't have one without the other I don't a person who who has a lack of knowledge also has a lack of critical thinking okay because and and oftentimes kids are not taught to think in a critical fashion they're not taught critical thinking because it's not just simply knowing how to push buttons it's not simply just knowing technology it's not simply just knowing to cross the street when the light is green. But critical thinking comes with knowing how to answer the what, where, when, how, and why. Critical thinking comes with how, the howevers and the buts and what do you put in place. And if I can't open the door this way, then maybe I open the door that way. Critical thinking comes in a number of common sense aspects. So critical thinking is extremely important. Okay, extremely important. So I don't lump critical thinking along with ignorance or the lack thereof. It's I, not that the wasn't thing. a lumping. To me, that was okay. an absolute separation of the two for me. Okay. It is, it's, it, it's not the, it's not the same. And there are people who cannot think in a critical fashion. They just can't think critically. They're not ignorant. They're not ignorant. They're smart, but they just cannot think in a critical fashion. They can't do it. But unfortunately, we're at the top of the hour, and I want to continue this conversation. I know it. I didn't think it was that time. I was just going to ask you I know. information and knowledge. So and here's, I know do we have I to know. jump off? Like, what do we have to jump off? Like, why? Oh, what are we racing okay. to? Yeah, exactly. Okay, keep well, going. Well, you know what? Uh, let's let's give this another thirty minutes because I I said so. So let's give it another another 30 minutes. How does that sound for everyone? I, I can do that because okay. information and knowledge are not the same thing. Yeah, they're not the same thing. Yeah, we, I can throw all the things to you, but does it mean you use it? That yes. is one of the things we know in public health. And I always view things from within my own area of competence. And when I'm not competent, I don't talk about it. But we're still built around this tripod, this triad in a circle. And we're talking about how diseases can lead to poverty. Poverty could be due to ignorance and kind of every other thing is linked. And uh, I would like to correct you, uh, Miss uh, Yolanda Collette, that uh, we don't have, the U.S. does not have the worst health care in the world because this is still a destination to get help but we do have the most expensive per capita well, we we practically go bankrupt to receive health care here okay any yeah, other country i i believe you're you're right and i i said it the wrong way we have the absolute most expensive when my daughter was in uh england in school and I don't remember how it, it happened, but she found out that that she too, as a visitor, had 
free access to health care and the people of that country had free health care. But was, now you use a definition that is wrong. It is not free. It was, it's universal. I'm it sorry. Is it is called no cost, which no means cost. defining universal no health care. Okay. No cost health care. Yes, universal so, health care. Yeah. So at the time we're holding our politicians accountable. Absolutely. There's a point we need to ask them key phrases and terms they use. Because uh, I know I can, I definitely will go bankrupt if I have a major medical emergency, like many other people. Because healthcare has not been defined in the US at the moment as a social construct where everybody has access to healthcare. And my cousin had a heart transplant. And I want to say when she finally left the hospital, the last she left, she went from Kaiser, I won't even say anything, to Cedars. She was at Cedars from December, right after Christmas, because her heart was only pumping, functioning at 10%. So they put her in the hospital because they knew that it would give out at any moment. She got a heart from, unfortunately, an accident victim. She had that heart transplant, and I believe it's been something like maybe 10 years since she had that heart transplant. And her bill was, it was over a million dollars. It was well over a million dollars for that heart transplant. And she stayed in the hospital for 10 days. She was out. She didn't know anything. That I'd been there in the hospital with her, and she was out. But the care that she required, even after that, that was simply the hospital bill. But the care that was required after that, she's fine now. But the care after that was astronomical. Astronomical. And a very good friend of mine, and I'll start crying was very high up on the food chain here in several cities. And he and I used to talk all the time, three of us, me, him, and his wife, all the time. They called me every day, practically. And he would always talk to me about running for office. And he asked me to be his campaign manager. He was going to run for governor. And he would tell me about the governor, the person who was governor at that time. And he would tell me about the what was on the budget for the state of California. Two things were at the top of the list, the prison system and health care. And right after that was LA Unified. And the prison system had the absolute largest budget in the state of California. I knew that before he told me. But we why do we put such a enormous cost on simple things like health care for people to be healthy to help them out of traumatic medical situations why and the pharmaceutical companies they are stupid 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 wealthy rich 
enormously. Why? Yeah, you know, you know, uh, we cannot even use the word stupid in this instance, or even say it particularly on this radio. But uh, you ask very interesting uh, questions. Top on the list will be, you are talking about the pay and payer system in the U.S. You want to discuss the healthcare system. That is a completely different thing. For example, on the chat box, if anyone clicks on it, that is real. Where a woman had a baby, then their hospital charge at $39.35 to hold it. Doctor, how much? $39 and some change for the, they call it the breast, uh, the child, the, 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 you know how those bills, the one we don't look at? Yeah, yes. your itemized, yeah, your itemized bill, yes. Your itemized bill, yes. Mm-hmm. And they charge her $39 just for coddling? Yes, and they said, because well, it was, it was squashed, but the father sent it out as a joke. The whole, you just got this bill, but he wasn't tripping. But there was a bill for $39.35 for skin to skin contact at the delivery room. Dr. Orkay, you are a doctor. And if I might say, you are a world renowned doctor. Thank you. What 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 is what is it i can respond to that because it's a third party it's beyond the provider it's beyond the client not to say patient it is now the person the the broker at the other end thinking of how do we balance it because we don't have a single payer system. It is not a socialist country and people don't even understand the meaning of socialism. Canada has a single payer system. Japan will have essentially a la carte menu where we all agree on the cost of things. I teach global health systems around the world at the university for graduating students. So we have crawled into my own area of competence and I speak and the example is calling this child and receiving a bill, your own baby at the labor room. And you, how did they arrive at 39.35? Why not make it even? Why not make it just 40 bucks? And I would tell, I would like to hold this baby 40, you know, for 40 bucks and tell me how much 40 bucks cover per minute, per hour, per word. But that actually came out on a sheet. So we versus them, my own personal philosophy, and I don't have the bandwidth yet or the muzzle, is a system approach. That is why at the end of the day, I always agree with Kiana. It's not the service delivery point, but the mindset, clearing the definitions, knowing what do you mean by ignorant? Who is ignorant? Let me give you an example of ignorance. Uh, Kiana, this is for you. 
Yay, I welcome it. And you have a doctor who says, talks about the, his ignorant patients in Central America, and he has to break it down to them because they cannot take the pills. And I said, what is the prescription? And he says, take this once a day after your meal, right? And after, on the fifth day, they say had a lot of pills in their box because they should have been done. On the fifth day, they should have done with 15, correct? But no, they still had like eight to nine used and the rest not used. And the doctor said, these people are ignorant. But these are women up there in Central America living up mountain slopes, having babies strapped around their back, baskets on their head, grabbing their babies, walking up the slopes, and you simply told them, take this after meal. Who is ignorant? Who told the doctor they eat three times a day? Right. So, how do you define ignorance? in a reverse way to you. I don't define ignorance, actually. It's not a word that I use, and I can't remember when I ever actually used it, mainly because I don't have the need to call people names. So I would never come, I would never have to assign something like ignorance to a person. I don't need to assign a word to, quite frankly, no one's ever called ignorance um, if a person's trying to be kind to them or to compliment them, it's a word that's meant to harm. And I just don't have that need. So I don't call people ignorant. If someone doesn't know something, okay, I'll explain, let me explain it. It's that So simple. we're ignorant now. Is it the doctor or the patient? You know what? I, I, I would never say that it was the doctor or the patient. However, we we always find a way and I know both of you will correct me. We find a way to give a pass, so to speak. We find a way to smooth it over, make it so that it's not that bad, make it so that they just didn't know. And when my kids were, were younger, I would always say, I, I don't want to hear that you didn't know. I don't want to, don't say, I don't know. Don't say that that it's, I just didn't know. I don't know. And that's something that I don't know. In a lot of cases, I don't know can be detrimental. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, why, why don't you know? Why didn't you know? So we can use, I don't know. People just didn't know. People don't know. So we 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 have a way of scapegoating it. They just didn't know. Why not? And we have people who watch television 24-7. How come you didn't know that? You watch television all day long. Why didn't you know? There are books to read. Why aren't you reading? Why didn't you know? 
So we don't want to call it ignorance, but we certainly give it a pass. It's okay not to know. Now, and let me clarify that. It's okay for me not to know what Dr. Orke knows. Dr. Orke is a world-renowned physician. Dr. Orke has practiced medicine the majority of his life all over the planet. Dr. Orke comes from a long line of physicians. He's studied, he's, he's served, he's done so many things. I, I can't know what Dr. Orke knows. So I'm ignorant in that regard. But ignorance, ignorance is no longer bliss. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Go ahead, Dr. Orke. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting because, uh, because you, you, you use a catchphrase, ignorance is not bliss. But we are using it loosely because we've agreed with Kiana that uh, we cannot say, use the word ignorance. But uh, in responding to Kiana and you, what I want to talk about is uh, the communication and language art that I am a passionate student of. I am, yes. And which is on labels. Because the pushback I feel from Kiana is real. And she said, don't label people. Don't categorize people. And she is 100% right. And when you, when you have that balance and labels, we can go all the way through in this conversation, I talk about being black, I talk about being African. These are labels. And we can go, I mean, I mean, we can go on beyond the next 13 minutes that we have for the 630 cutoff point. But it's just to keep the things real. These are conversations we are not having in our community. Remember how we started with uh, the return of the mass mandate in uh, in the East Coast. How we talked about being always two weeks late. And I did not even tell you what I was saving for the last. Since people are not testing, you know what we are doing right now? Can anyone tell me? We are testing the sewer system, sewage. And the reason why we are doing that right now, that will give us an idea of what, poop, what people are pooping. And we can still see the trend. Quick question. And so since the sewer systems are being tested, what is, are they trying to also trace sewer lines so that they can kind no, of no, no, identify no. They populations? Don't sewer lines. They don't trace sewer lines, but they have sentinel sites. We've always had sentinel sites. For example, in Los Angeles County, we have sentinel sites, not only because we have COVID today, but we have issues with bed flu and migratory. So we have all sorts of things they check, but not specific of COVID. They can actually track. From so the, these edges from neighborhoods. Okay, yeah, that's what my question was. Are they tracing it, sewer lines back to specific populations? Okay. Yes, and uh, 
and uh, some of the numbers and results are not right. And remember, we are two weeks late in uh, practically everything when it comes to COVID, because that is how this conversation began. And many people don't know that if, I'm sorry to put it this way, you don't sniff, you don't puff, you, at the end of the day, you will poop, right? And, we, and they can still track it, not to your house, but at least to a cluster. So now in, uh, uh, we have uh, real-time results from different places right now and telling us that, hey, we may just not be clear. Maybe people get less sick, but we may just not be clear. And on my, on my screen right now, I'm looking at a report from Florida. And it's a weekly uh, surveillance thing. And it's not really good. But I also say it's not linked to hospitalization rates. So it's there and it is real. I think I have a question, and this is a medical question. Um, Dr. Okay, you're what kind of a doctor again? I don't think I recall. I, I, I don't practice medicine. Oh, okay. I thought you were an MD. I'm sorry. I'm MD, but I don't practice medicine again okay. in the field because okay. of licensing issue and I, I'm population health. Okay. I work in public health. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so one thing to answer your question, your earlier question, maybe five minutes ago, who is the person that's ignorant, the doctor or the, or the woman on the mountain? Neither, as I'm sure you probably knew I was going to respond. And I, we know why the woman isn't ignorant. She's just not. But also the doctor um, who may be prescribing a certain thing is the person who, is, who has the Who's, the person who's doing the prescribing is has been trained to to be an authority on certain things, and so that person takes that very seriously. And so, you know, they're they're giving an order to the their patients, and they expect their patients to to comply, basically, um, and almost blindly. Oftentimes, people don't really know what the end result, or I shouldn't say people don't know, but there can be questions about the end result. When, of, of certain prescriptions because recently with a family member of mine, we've been given a bunch of prescriptions for him and we didn't know why, especially since they were a ter certain type of medication for a certain type of ailment that they said he didn't have. So in the same sentence that they're prescribing this, they're saying, well, it's not this, but so, so I, I think in a larger in a broader sense, they're prescribing medications because, well, we do know that they get a percentage of it, um, and that's researchable. Um, but also, on top of that, when we're talking about COVID and people's trauma responses, which is to not even have anything to do with COVID and, you know, running from it all or wh however people respond to it, um, this new 
wave that's you know that the East Coast has responded to. Um, do we know anything about this new strain uh, in terms of we just know COVID, but what kinds of symptoms are we now to expect or do are we supposed to just have, again, another trauma response and just shake in our boots and sit at home behind masks? Because quite frankly, that's not how that's not a natural way to deal with any kind of ailment or something. If, if you have a just on a regular day outside of COVID and outside of anything else that, you know, our government has propagandized us into being terrified of. Is there any other, how else do we respond to that? If our two-year-old catches a cold at their cousin's house or something, well, we, we have, we understand the symptoms. We understand the steps to help them cope with those symptoms and to get over. There's a process and there are specific things that we know to do almost per symptom. Now, these are for very mild cases, for colds and things that are manageable at home. Now, when we're talking about something like COVID and the only thing that we can get regard, regarding COVID um, are the loss of, loss of taste, smell. Um, we, we, throughout this, we've had a certain amount of symptoms that we can expect but then we're also at the same time told, well, there are other symptoms as well. It's not just that. But then those are never outlined. And then we get news media. We, we get media representatives who banter about – they editorialize. They fill in the blanks where the physicians do not. And we, I, I don't feel that we have enough physicians – on either, we don't have enough physicians doing anything other than just being yes people. Yes, do this. Yes, do that. Yes. Do. That isn't how, that isn't how you handle medicine, period. That's not how you handle healthcare. Even if someone says, yeah, you may or may not have cancer. I've yet to see someone say, no, you cannot go get a second opinion. Or, no, you can't deny that you have this. No, I've never seen that in any case. So I, I, this is kind of a long-winded, maybe contrived way of saying, why is COVID something that's being treated like comply with government orders or die? Like, why is it being treated like that? Especially since we're not giving any data, any real-time data, and the data that we do get is often, you know, here here comes the. I, I just it's it's quite a mess, actually. It's very much a mess. I, I actually would like to respectfully disagree with you. Oh, feel free. I'm just asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, because it is not a mess, and I know that we dropped the ball multiple times. But uh, I want to address four things you said. It, you use the phrase pro, pa, propaganda, propagandize. You talked about terrorize. You talked about editorialize. And uh, these buzzwords and phrases are part of where, why we are where we are right now. Because somebody is going to tell you, no, it was not an editorial piece, but it was a fact on the ground. 
we're not terrorizing people because we started the conversation by telling you that, you know what, we cannot live under this cloud of fear. There is a point we need to shake it up. And definitely, it's not a propaganda, not from Bill Gates, not from Anthony Fauci. But if the messaging is poor, then we can improve the messaging. So at the time we use these phrases and verbs, and these are genuine concerns, we have to think about the two-way traffic because it's bi-directional. Yes. Uh, the ball was dropped. Everybody ran to the store to, to buy tissue paper and toilet paper and this. And I kept on wondering, what would that do? It's not even a diarrhea disease to start with. They stock their house with eggs. You can't store eggs in the house and milk, eggs and mix. You can't stop them. They will go bad. Why was that the knee-jerk reaction? It's all back to how this particular uh, show began, which is, why can't you just listen to people who have gone to school to do this thing? Get the politics out of it, but say consider the social, political, and economic, and even cultural perspective. Ms. Collette already told us we have a very, de we have a deficit on trust. We don't trust doctors. We don't trust the government. We don't trust healthcare. We just get it done. And if we approach things from that angle, perhaps the perspective will change, but then we'll be broke. Um, to be quite yeah. frank, we had that. People didn't trust the government long before COVID. So that wasn't a new thing. Nor did people trust yes, medicine. You are completely correct. We don't trust the government. And, it and there's no argument about that. But what we know is that this is a long-haul effect of that loss of truck because we don't have the currency. It's not today. You know, we can talk about immunizations and vaccinations and all those things on another show because I know it's 6.30 already. But and I do have a question for you, Dr. Yes. Okay. But what I wanted to say, in fact, this question is for Kiana and for you, Dr. Orquette. I am, as you both know, I am a senior citizen. Are you? <laughs> look good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My question is, we have a great amount of distrust. We do not trust the government. And with good reason, we do not trust the government. When and who do we trust? Trust when is the currency. Invest in it. Build it. It's like your credit card. Build your credit. Okay, people and from other countries. Let's go to office, for example. Okay, you're from Nigeria. Yes, people from other countries come here and find that this is the greatest country ever. Right now, the floodgates have opened. And all kinds of Ukrainian people are coming in here. Afghan people are coming in here. People at the border coming in here. The greatest country ever. The greatest country on the planet. But those of us who've been here, especially African-American people, we would never say that. We would not say that. 
we would so yeah, say, yeah, there are some things about USA that are that are good, but this country is lacking in terms of its humanity. Because man's inhumanity to man, we do a great deal of that. We demonstrate demonstrate that in a huge way. So we're such a great country. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have poverty? Why do we have disease? Why do we have things that are so out of control? In this, the most powerful country in the world. And we can't even take care of our own. And it struck me when the mayor of the Ukraine said, we don't need you. We take care of our own. We take care of our people. We take care of our country. All we need are your weapons. And we can take care of our own. But it's hard for us to say that. It's hard for us to say that here. So tell me, can you answer that? Yeah, my answer will be, why will you not vote Kiana to go to Congress? For example, it's our leadership. We have gone around and we've come back to the same thing. They are leaders. It's not it's we don't leadership. need a bunch of good doctors. It's our leadership. Yes. So, and we vote. Your vote counts. Your vote matters. What about the social action? That is my response. Remember the social, economic, and political part of it? Somebody tells me, oh, I'm not voting. They've already decided on the count. They know who they're getting. What does that really truly mean? You know what? I can't, I don't, I have a hard time with people that don't vote. Because when I, as soon as I turned 18, I started voting. As soon as I became 18, I wanted to vote. I wanted my vote to count. And I feel the same way today. Now. Kiana may not vote, which I don't approve. I don't like that. Everybody on this, everybody on this broadcast, everybody a part of this network should be voting. As far as I'm concerned, everybody that lives in this country who is of age should vote. And those people that don't vote, why not? And why are you complaining? I have to say regarding voting, it is a person's right to right. vote right. or yes. to, or not. Not to vote. So when I use the word propaganda, that's why. Because you've made it your business. Somebody else's right to do as they choose. Now, quite frankly, I did vote. And unfortunately, I do. But I only do it because my ancestors fought and literally died, not because I actually believe in the system. Because quite frankly, it's not the politicians, it's not our so-called leaders that are in charge. They're not in charge. They're figureheads for us to believe in to keep us really concentrated on the on on what they're doing as opposed to what's happening behind closed doors which is really what's governing the world not just the united states if you really dig deep into not even u.s politics but the oligarchical aspect of that which is the united states and the west these politicians are puppets if you actually do the work to really realize how this world is run and governed, you, 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 you would understand where your vote goes. You'd understand how much it actually matters. And I know that's contrary to popular narrative, but um, 
I'm sorry. It is the reality that I didn't create, but I know about. So, you know, and, and it takes a certain type of disconnect from the conventional wisdom, conventional thinking and, and acquiescence to really try to see what else is actually going on behind the scenes. It takes a long time to, and a lot of questioning, 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 and not jumping on the first MSNBC narrative that gets delivered to you, but actually asking real questions and trying to figure things out because this is not, this, this country is not what it's propped up to be. And quite frankly, just like the jock in high school, if, if a country has to say I'm the greatest in the world, well, you have to do that because why, why do you need that? Why do you need that pedestal? Something, something's wrong with you. If you really need to paint yourself as the greatest country on the planet, by the way, this country is a runaway home invasion slash kidnapping house. So let's be real about what this country is. Let, let's, let's actually be honest about what it is. It's a, not only is it an infant on the global stage, but it's also now an intellectual island where it has its own beliefs about itself that everyone else around now, the world now, is no critical to thinking now. No critical thinking now. <laughs> I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have to say about that is the the doubt and the hesitation and what we what you think about this country is not new. Okay, as I said, I'm a senior citizen and I remember a time when people talked about how horrible things were in this country, especially, especially for black people. I remember a time when when we didn't recognize that we lacked anything and we were all in Altadena. Pasadena and we grew up together and the we talk we've talked about this frequently on this broadcast that the Panthers and what the Panthers did and the movement and all of a sudden it went away it went away because we we were told that it was better for us to be integrated and it was better for us to recognize that affirmative action was going to do for us what we couldn't do on our own. And we were, we were told that things were going to get better. And we believed it. We believed it. And, and things didn't get better. They certainly changed. They didn't get better. Thus, what we have today, all of the killings, all of the, the, the people who have lost their lives, innocent people, Black men who have lost their lives, Black men and women. So, unfortunately, we live in a country where first things are first, and what comes first, it ain't us. Money and money only. Okay, it ain't us. So, we have to look at, and I I go back to what Leonard Collins always talks about, and that is how we are connected. That goes with everything, health care, disease, poverty, the lack there of all of those things. And as I said to other people last week, get ready, folks, because the Ukrainians are here. 
and LAUSD has opened their doors very wide. But has left out black people and Latinos at the exact yes. same border. Black at the, people. At the yes. exact same border. And this Wait, was, hold on, was hold Mexico. On, hold, hold on, it's a slippery slope. Because uh, when we start just opposing this, then we lose the focus of the dialogue. Because in the, the we have, we can have a dialogue about equity or lack of it. We can have a dialogue on immigration. We can have a dialogue on access. But if the Ukrainians are here, let us not pair them with the Jamaicans and the or the Asians that cannot come. Because we could also have a dialogue on politics. By the time we just start the hodgepodge, then we lose our message. Okay. And that is the trick. That is what they're trying to do. Okay. It is a hodgepodge. But again, the Haitians have have been on boats, little dinghies, countless times to come to this country. And Bill Clinton started it. You can't, you ain't got to go home, but you can't come here. And he met them. He had the National Guard meet them out in the middle of the water in the pitch black where you can't see your hand in front of your face. You ain't got to go home, but you ain't going to come up in here. And the Haitians were not allowed to come here. And Haitians began to take their own lives by, by drowning and falling over the boats. But everybody else can come here and receive whatever it is that they want. And I'm telling you, Dr. Orkay, in my division, he told us about going out to the hotel at the airport. And those people get everything from healthcare, education, money, housing, food, clothing, pots and pans, sugar, flour, corn, meat, an automobile to drive, everything. And healthcare, they get everything. And healthcare, and how? Can I just tell you in the last few minutes that your your vote counts? Sure, and, I vote. I would not stop and, and as we talk about labels and titles, you have to have all these considerations. Because uh, if I were Ukrainian right now, I would get a ticket to come to the U.S. because I'll be accepted. Because I have the title Ukraine right now it's a label it's a title which some other people will not uh, enjoy so uh think about the policy aspect think about you know uh at the end of the day we still well i was going to say we we elect the smartest people but we don't but we they have amazing advisors these people they are the brain, I mean, they are the engine of the world, really. Never mind our governance decision. So as we discuss politics and all those things or some of the things that come with it, I usually, uh, I, I usually try to pause for a moment, then reflect because they go home at night to sleep. They do. Mm-hmm. They do, and they shouldn't. I don't know how they sleep. Right. I don't know how they sleep. And I mentioned some time ago, and uh, we've got some guests on, and they can can chime in on this. I'm very disappointed 
and you may not agree with me, Dr. Orkay, and I already know that, but I'm very disappointed in Kamala Harris. I'm very disappointed. I would, and I'm sure it's simply because she is the vice president and the vice president is, that's really simply a figurehood, that she's just a figurehead, okay? She can't say yes, no, or maybe so. There isn't anything that she does, unfortunately. And I would like to see that she take a more visible position by taking a position for the community that has served her, the community that wanted her in there. Not the same way that people got mad at President Obama, but Kamala Harris, just like her vote was not needed for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, oh, what is she doing? What is Kamala Harris doing, really? To tell the truth, really? So anybody know? Okay, well, I, that, we, that's the same thing. Same thing. Go ahead, well, but we knew that going in. I, I'm only saying that because I'm from the Bay Area, and she is too. So <clears throat> many of the constituents here were already kind of predicting that. Um, She's just in it for the uh, position, and, and that's pretty much it. But having said that, um, she is the vice president, and the vice president really doesn't say much. Like, you didn't really hear much from Biden when he was vice president of Obama. But that's right. But it was okay with Biden because he's been in the, the, the forefront. He's in the, been in the public side for almost 50 years. So we knew him. We right. Knew but him still, but I, I know that, but he still didn't really do much. He had certain assignments that he was in charge of. And I don't think we really know what assignments Kamala Harris is in charge of right now. Now, still having said that, um, Many people said, well, Biden's only going to last one term. Uh, he might have a heart attack, and, and Kamala is one, one heartbeat away from being the president. Now, the conversation that we probably should be having is, do we really have confidence in her? No. Or uh, let me ask this question. Would you pick uh, Hillary, or would you pick Kamala? Oh, I'd pick Hillary. Exactly. Yeah, um, Hillary. So... And that's a concern. Now, I don't know how everybody else feels on the call, but that would be my vote or, or either my concern. And I'd like to hear what Kiana has to say. I want to hear what Dr. Orkay has to say. Go ahead with that, please. Kiana might be leaving the country, so. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the truth, girl. Tell the truth. <laughs> I have at least three bags packed at all times, so. <laughs> Diana, please don't leave until you are my guest at my show. I might have already left. I'm not sure. Let me look outside. Go ahead, Dr. Orkay. And regarding the, the choice, I think it's a false choice because uh, we need to find out what the platform will be. And uh, I, I take a personal exception to the fact that uh, Justice Associate Justice uh, Jackson is being referred to as a black judge because it's all back to the quota system. But yeah. she's the one of the most qualified person that could have 
been there. But if they want us to talk about that qualification as just being the quota, I I take a personal exception to it. It's just like I absolutely will probably support Hillary, but not as a woman, but I've seen the great and and she was there. She stayed. She went through everything. Right. And I'm learning what camera retreat right now. But now, let us flip it this way. If one to start playing labels and cards, they can't get a black, black American. We have to have a black Asian American or a black American with an African father or something like that. Are we not good enough? I'm not black, black. I've been reminded I'm African. Can we not get Kiana to run? Right. Yeah, she doesn't have white, black, or green parents. Yes, yes. She has American parents who are black. Yes. Why must we dilute it? And why is justice Always. Jackson's husband? Always. White. Yep, that's right. Is there, is there a point we talk about about diluting and making it softer for other people? Why must we find the midway why is nobody talking about making it softer that's actually oh. the that's the anti-black narrative that's the anti-black psychological framework that is talked about in a lot of grassroots circles and a lot of non-mainstream circles quite frankly and that is absolutely what that is even you you have probably never had a direct descendant descendant of uh, American slavery um, of the two, Kamala and uh, Obama. They were, their, their, their blackness was not an American. That was not someone from the United States with whose lineage led back to slavery. They would never put a slave, slave's blood in the White House. It's the blood of the slave that built the White House. You can't you know run what? it too. I would. I didn't think about that. You you got a point there. And, that's, that's a and point. you've I gone think. a long way to agree with me. I'm talking <laughs> about those who are just from here. Yes, I agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. You yes. know, so Kiana and I, we both agree. It's not a contradictory statement. But no. at the end of the day, we dilute. We say. For example, Obama was not black enough until we said, okay, right. what about Michelle Obama? Right. He wasn't black enough. He yeah. was not black And we enough. talk about Michelle Obama. Yeah. But how do you think I think that as a black man? Oh, I'm not black. I'm African. Because right. I'm all descendants of slaves from the U.S. Yes. Yes. So think about yes. this because it affects people. As we say, you know, we could have a talk shop to, from morning till night. But think about who is listening. I think about who is listening. And we want those who are listening to understand that these conversations are to bring about another conversation. These conversations are about what should be talked about. Right, Dr. Orkay? Speaking of black versus African-American versus 
African versus African English, whatever, however we want to define us, however we want to define us all over the world, Africa, the continent, or, you know, the islands, wherever, how do we define ourselves? Because at this point, it's we've taken on the names given to us by those who have oppressed us. And not enough of us have been like, well, hold on. I, what if, what, 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 what if I don't want to be African-American? You're never, you're rarely treated like an American, but also America is a continent, not the United States. So what, in these labels, let's, can we pick those apart and get down to the molecular structure so we can actually be accurate and deserving of the names that we associate our identities with? If we want to have them as, as parts of our identities, I, I'm, my name is Kiana. That's my first name. Yes, apparently my last name is Williams. Um, but that's not the name of my, my, my lineage. That's the name of those who hate my lineage. So, you know, unfortunately I honor the name because it's my, the family, my family, my actual, I honor it because it, it is part of us, but I also do not honor it because it is not a part of me. So there, yeah, there's uh, a... Yeah, right. The best thing you've said is that at the end of the day, we are family. And we take care of our own. And we try to think about what unites us and not what separates us. Because we can really go through that, that, that path and we come with nothing. Right now, you are Miss Williams, and uh, we give thanks to God that, uh, yes, you have a name. And uh, we, we can always change our names, but it doesn't change who we are. You're as African as it comes, and I'm as black as it comes, but I'm still African, and you're black American. And at the end of the day, guess what? We get it done. Right, but here's another thing. See, you know what? I've had conversations with people, and they always want to say, don't say African-American, say I'm black American. When they do a DNA test on your body, and you cannot argue with the DNA strain, if the majority of it says you come from Africa, then that's what you are. You were born in America, so you should identify, and why wouldn't you want to identify with the motherland? That's my question. Why wouldn't you want to identify? So that is why it is important that uh, we are patient and uh, we walk through it and we go back to that triangle that we played with as a case scenario. And in that triangle, we are still proffering solutions between poverty, diseases, and ignorance, definition of whatever ignorance means to any other person. Who is poor? Is it monetary being poor or culturally or spiritually being poor because we never even got to poverty we stopped at ignorance we never talked about what is diseases and we can go through that cycle we've not even done we've done only one part of that cycle we have not even touched the surface yeah we can also talk about that uh those terms third mm -hmm. world countries and we not talked about labels third world countries labels put people in cubes yeah, yeah. we have not We've not scratched the surface. So there's a lot of discussion that can be had around this. And we started off talking about BA2. 
and here we are. But that really proves that one, we've got to do something to get rid of BA2. Second, the issues that plague our community are never gonna go away. It's going to always be a topic of discussion. It's going to always be something that we talk about. When do we act upon it? It will always be something that we talk about. I have to say they will go away, considering the fact that they were not always there. And as I said before, there was more to us and for quite much longer than there is time. So the things that we're dealing with now are only symptoms of now. They're not the entirety of who we've been, if that makes any sense. In terms of time, they're, they're not going to be with us forever. Because, again, they, didn't, they weren't forever with us. These are problems that we've been, unfortunately, we've suffered others. And we've suffered in a lot of ways. But we will come out of it. That is a guarantee. Right. And, and I really admire your optimism about it. Um, I, I remember um, talking to my, my grandmother and, and my father and mother. And one of the things they always said was, at some point, the people who keep talking about slaves, we're going to go away. So say, for example, Kiana's eventually going to be our age. When they have their conversation, they may not talk about slaves. They may not talk about the issues that we talk about that's a hot button for us. So if you don't talk about it, sometimes when you talk about things, it stifles your growth. You have to open your mind and move forward. And so these are the things we're looking at. But having said that, we got to be real about what's coming. And that's what scares me. Um, we were a progressive race many years ago. Kiana, we're no more a, a, a progressive race. We're a race of reaction. Whenever anything happens to us, we react to it. See, we should already have our own police department um, already in our community because we know what the policeman is going to do. Generally, the policeman, uh, the white policeman will shoot a black kid. But how many cases do you have where a black policeman shoots a white kid. So there's a culture that exists there. Exactly, not many. So the point I'm making is, if we were progressive in thought, we would recognize the things that happened to us, the things that happened to the Indians. We should already be way ahead, but because they're constantly, um, as my friend would say, using a diversionary tactic to keep us concentrating on what's the now rather than concentrating on the future. And that's what they do all the time. And why is it a word? And I'm just all over the board, but I'm just telling you how I'm looking at things. Why is there a word called gerrymandering? Why does that <laughs> word exist? They wanted to. <laughs> who, who decided to say, you know what, we're going to cheat. And the main game that everybody learned at an early age is Monopoly. Go play Monopoly again. Uh, you land on something, you're going to jail. Uh, I'm going to take all your property. This is a way of life right now. But in order for us to go forward, we have to go back to thinking progressive and thought. You know, Umar Johnson made a comment, and I said, you know what? 
there's so much greatness in all of us, but we don't unify. He said most of the uh, uh, inventions were created before the 1900s. And when you go back and look at all the black inventions, they were 17 this, 18 that. And why is that? Because we were progressive in thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and we would not have... Day, sorry. That's right. We would not have had Black Wall Street had it been any other way, had we not been progressive and progressive in thought. And with that, I'm going to make sure that we hold on to the, the this conversation and we continue this conversation. But also, there are so many ways that we can continue this conversation, so many ways. And we have to begin to utilize that. And we have to begin to offer this conversation in other places. One of the things that always took place as a kid, my mother took us everywhere. We had conversations at the church. We had conversations at our home. We had conversations at Glorietta Center. We had conversations at the, uh, the, the uh, what was the center on um, Glorietta Center at the Boys Club? And there was another one, Leonard, on Mountain or somewhere like that. So it wasn't simply conversations on radio. It was conversations in the community, and because that's where it really mattered, conversations in the community. So on that note, we have so much more to talk about and so much more that we have to do. We've got to keep the conversation going. So I believe it's right at 7 o'clock, and our engineer is going to let me know that we've gone over by 30 minutes, and now we've gone over by another 30 minutes. So I'd like to thank my guest for the evening, Dr. Godwin Orkay. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Orkay. I really appreciate the dialogue and the conversation, and you bring up great points. Thank you so much. So we are going to sign off for now, and we're going to say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I appreciate you and your time. Have a good evening, everyone. Take care. <laughs>